Welcome to Catch Outdoors, presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network at waypointtv.com. I'm your host, Captain Rob Modis, reporting to listeners each and every week from the fabulous Florida Keys. This podcast is centered around the great outdoors, especially down here in the most southern regions of the continental U.S. So kick back for the next 40 minutes or so and get a taste of my Florida. This week's episode is number 86, Boat Food. (laughs) Last week was boats, now it's boat food. I'm on a run, so I think I'm going to do boat drinks next, So, but this is boat food. But first, some news and the weekly fishing report and all the things that I like to throw in at the beginning. I got got quite a bit to talk about here before we get to the uh, boat food part. Um, Let's see, this past uh, May 10th, I guess it was, yeah, the FWC met and did all kinds of rulings and things like that that they do every time they meet. I think they meet every quarter. So this was their quarterly meeting. So at the May meeting of the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, they suspended the proposed rulemaking discussions on Goliath grouper spawning aggregation site protections. In other words, no plans to resume. Um, The areas that were under discussion, fishing regulations will remain status quo. Goliath grouper are catch and release only. This harvest of Goliath grouper... um, it's prohibited, and I don't know if they're going to go back to it or not. But we'll kind of keep an eye on that for a while. There, they were going to, they were going to, you know, sell lottery tickets and all that kind of stuff to be able to go fishing for them. So I, I apparently it looks like it's been shelved, but there'll be more information to come, I'm sure. Also at the meeting in Miami. Uh, let's see. They approved a rule establishing designated anchoring areas in seven locations from the middle to lower keys in Monroe County. This is a big deal. The designated areas are at uh, Fleming Key, Sigsby, Garrison Bight, Cow Key, Niles Channel, Bahia Honda Channel, and Boot Key. Uh, to say the least, we are all thankful for this. Uh, any extra anchoring buoys we can have that keep people from dropping anchors on accidentally on coral reefs and those locations, that's great. And we need more. People are very interested in snorkeling and diving in the Keys. So that was, that was really good news. Also at the meeting, the FWC proposed new management regions and re- uh, regulation changes for snook. The proposed new regions would allow the FWC to better capture local differences in the fishery. The proposed rules establish nine management regions for snook. Right now, it's like we have like three or four or maybe two, one on one coast, one on the other. I don't know. Anyway, nine of them. Um, That's going to match the current Gulf or Atlantic coast regulations within new regions, except for Charlotte Harbor. Charlotte Harbor will match current Gulf Coast regulations. They're going to implement a two-fish vessel limit. Uh, include September in the summer season closure. I think that's going to be up in Charlotte Harbor. So anyway, there there's some regs happening with um, with snook that are, uh, in my opinion, much much needed. Uh, let's see where are we here? Boating info for the Florida Keys. Some notable things I found that are needed when boating in Florida Bay in the Everglades National Park. Uh, this is some stuff I. I knew, well, I knew one of them, park pass. You got to have a park pass for everybody on board. That is the national park pass like you would pick up at the ticket office when you're driving into any national park in the country. You have to have that to boat in the Everglades National Park, which is a huge portion of Florida Bay. You can buy them online. Um, you can have it on your cell. You can buy it like on your cell, and then have the uh, have it on your cell phone to show to an officer if you get stopped. Uh, but basically, you have to have a park pass. Now, the park passes vary. Um, let's see. For power boats, the cost is thirty bucks for seven consecutive days, and for paddle craft, it's fifteen dollars for seven days. Um, 
that includes, in some cases on the power boat, it includes other people with you. You'll need to look that up. I think it's up to four on a ticket, I think. But don't hold me to that. You want to check that before you before you do that. Uh, that's how it works in the cars. You know, when you show up at the car and you buy a pass to go into the thing, it counts for everybody in the car, I think up to four passengers, four people rather. So the current annual pass is $55 for the ENP, for Everglades National Park. So if you, you plan on boating in there a lot, you can get an annual pass for 50, 55 bucks. If you plan on visiting other national parks, the cost is $80 for an annual park pass. Here's a tip for seniors 62 and older. You can get a lifetime national park pass for 80 bucks. I have it. It's great. Put it in your pocket. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, no matter what park you go into, you're covered for the park pass. And it's 80 bucks if you're over 62, 62 and older. So you got to be at least 62 years old. The boater education program. This is one that threw me. This is one I had heard was in the makings back in 2018, but I never knew what happened with it. Well, now I do. Thanks to the captain who lives across the street from me. We were just talking about boating in Florida. May goes, do you have your boater education um, certificate? And I said, my what? <laughs> duh. duh. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Well, I'll be daggone if you don't have to have one. Um, every person who is in, who's the captain of the boat, if you're driving the boat, you have to have one of these certificates. Um, let's see. You get it online. It's a free course. You take the course at home, takes about an hour, and then you take the test, and you have to pass it with at least an 80 out of 100. You can uh, bring the certificate, uh, you can print it, rather, print the ticket, and then you know fold it up and stick it in your boat box so you have it with you whenever you go out, like you know with your, boat or re- with your boating registration and that kind of stuff. But there you go. You have to have one of those if you are driving a boat in the Everglades National Park. And by the way, the educational program was great. I can't, I can't fault it. They really talk a lot about one simple principle, that boating in Everglades National Park in Florida Bay is not like boating up north on lakes and rivers and things like that. It's mostly shallow. And you need to understand the repercussions if you hit bottom or if you, you know, cause uh, damage to the reefs or damage to the grass beds and all that kind of stuff. And the, and the fines are severe. So you want to learn this stuff for sure. Also, the do's and don'ts in the area. The thing, what, what can I and can I not do when I'm back in the Everglades? So. And yes, you need a fishing license. I just kind of stuck that on the end here. That seems to be like pretty obvious, but the fishing license, all regular rules for the Florida regions apply in the Everglades National Park. And then every now and then the park will institute a rule of their own. So you really need to read up and make sure it usually has to do with uh, closed areas, things like that, that they feel need a little more protection. So just so you know, fishing report, Wednesday, the 10th, this past week, the weather was spectacular here in the Keys. Bright blue skies, no wind. It was 90 degrees. <laughs> Summer's here, baby. Uh, real temperature was 90. I don't know what it was with humidity. Probably 95, 96. It was hot. Um, so I went into the backcountry with spin and fly, and I did really well on both. Um, used a Clouser minnow on the fly rod and a Z-Man jig head, green eyes. It was a gulf swimming mullet. That's one of those soft white baits, kind of a pearly white bait. And, uh, and I did great. I really did. I finally figured out the trout. Got trout on flying, got trout on spin. Um, 
I've been fishing an island area up there. It's a pretty broad island, several islands actually. And there's these beautiful flats on these islands. And there's a lot of grass and cuts and sandy potholes. And that's what I like to fish. And I like looking for about three and a half feet of water. That's just, you know, between three and four, somewhere in that ballpark, three and a half feet is what I call it. But And working flies and whatnot over those areas. Nice long cast because the water is fairly clear. Um, and so you got you to be stealthy. And uh, I was fishing close to right but not all the way right. <laughs> so I found by just moving over, I'm not kidding you, 50, 60 feet. Um, I, I mean, I really, really found them. There's a trough. I found a trough. And that's what I've been looking for. I knew there had to be a passageway for these fish because there's times when there's almost nothing there. And then there's other times on the tides when there's just nothing but fish. But they were all really little. Well, the bigger ones use the trough. And so I got my limit of trout, which nowadays is three, three per person over 15 inches and not over 19. I'll get into that in just a second. I got three. So Janelle and I enjoyed a really nice dinner and we had enough for two dinners. I got six fillets. So that's more than enough for two people. I'm very happy about that. Also had a shot with fly at two snook. They got on and off, but I found them. Uh, No redfish yet. I'm still struggling on reds. I'm like, okay, where are the reds hiding? Um, one thing the captain across the street told me, uh, his name is Kerry, K, K-E-R-R-Y, Kerry, not really nice guy. He said that something that was pretty profound and something I have found in the back, uh, Key Largo, Florida Bay does not have moving water like Alamorada does. Alamorada has got lots of openings and that's where I learned to fish. So the water pours through there and really creates a tremendous amount of tide and Largo doesn't do that. We only have a couple of passes that even open up into Florida Bay. One of them's right next to me, and it's just a canal. It's a man-made canal. Then there's another one further down. Same sort of thing down in by Tavernier, another canal cut through. So it just doesn't get the push in water. And you have to really, really study those tides. You've got to figure it out and play the winds. If you got winds, you need to play the winds as part of the tides to help with the push. So good tips. I like, he gives me tips, but he doesn't tell me much more. And that's what a captain should do. Just kind of help you out, but then leave it alone. Let you figure it out. Um, let's see. I mentioned the trout. Um, let's see here. Uh, oh, as a side note here, I wrote, made a notes for it. Spotted sea trout recently changed again. So beware if you're visiting, um, they're called spotted sea trout by Florida man, not speckled, but speckled also refers to them. If you look up the official stuff, it's spotted, but it's okay to call them speckled if you want, but we'll know you're not from Florida. Um, they're also referred to as yellow mouths, gators, depending on size, of course. Um, Another tidbit for Jeopardy fans, the sea trout is a member of the drum family. Uh, They're first cousins, so to redfish and black drum, they're related. As a matter of fact, when you hold one, uh, if it drums in your hand, if you hear it grunting and drunting, that's a male. And if it isn't, it's a female. So so there you go. Um, The rules are... Sea trout are now divided into five regions. Western Panhandle, Big Bend, South, Central, East, Northeast, and South is us here in the Keys. Bag limits, three per person. Captain or hiring crew, they don't count. They can't, they can't count in the bag. Slots 15 to 19 inches with one over 19 included in the bag. It's open year-round down here in the South. Be sure to check when you're fishing other areas. They have closed areas. Now, it's certain, like one of them, I believe, is closed in February. Another one might be November, December. I kind of glance at the ones that are way up north by the Panhandle. But if you're fishing in that area, you need to be aware of the fact that they've, that they've actually changed things. The um, fishing report. Here we go. Keys fishing report. Still all about the Mahi Mahi. 
also known as dolphin fish, they are biting. We have a lot of sargasm. You know, we heard about the blob that was coming. Well, it's it's blobbish, but it's not. It's no worse than it's been in the past. To be honest with you, there's strips of, of sargasm sargasm out there, uh, just off the edge of the drop off reefs where the steps are. So where you go from 30 feet to 100 and some odd 120 feet or so, it's it's starting to line up there. And so are the mahi. And any further out you go into 300 feet of water, you're going to really find lots of strips of that. Uh, there's some floating debris mixed in. That's that's coming on the weather. Uh, you might find a pallet. Uh, the other day I saw where a guy just basically found nothing more than a board, uh, about a 12 foot long board. I think he said it was a um, uh, two by six, and it was just covered in dolphin. So I'm like, really? That must have been a fun time. Regulations on dolphin. While we're talking regulations, 20 inches to the fork, and 10 per person. I believe it's a 60 count on the boat. So if there's six of you fishing, you can keep up to 60, 10, 10 per person. Above that, you can't. So if you have more people, like on one of those big charter boats. Um, grouper opened up on the 1st of May. That would be just about all of them. that we're You know, black, red, gag, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a focus of that on the offshore, as I also mentioned. And there are some really nice red grouper being caught off of Key Largo. Janelle and I enjoyed a fresh dinner the other night of black grouper at one of the restaurants caught locally. And that was, boy, that was delicious. Blackfin tuna are running under the birds. Look for terns and frigate birds and then troll through with something shiny. That's, that's probably my highest recommendation. I ran out two weeks ago. It was kind of rough, so I came back in. I mean, it wasn't a good day for a skiff, but I did see a lot of birds working once I got out to about the 35, 40 foot range. And that's about the time I thought, this is probably not safe. It's time to come back in a little closer. And I did, but I saw the birds. So the birds have moved in. They were real sparse um, over the winter. Not only my reports, but other people's reports. Patch reefs, yellowtail snapper, of course, mangrove snapper, been getting a few of those, grunts and porgies, and of course, the what the heck is that, which is one of my favorite parts of fishing out there on the reef. I, you know, I fished the west coast of Florida for years, and I pretty much learned just about everything there is to catch there. The reef is a whole different ballgame, and it's kind of fun to bring up something and go, what in the heck is that? Where, where in the world did that come from? Okay, episode 86, boat food podcast is mostly related to the food and snacks brought along by anglers for a day of fishing on the water. But I'll also mention some things I've seen and heard when visiting the sandbars and some island beaches. I don't know if you've heard about this, but sandbar boating is quite popular down this way. Also on the East Coast, there's a few locusts. I don't know about West. I know down near Marco Island, people used to meet down off of um, Kiwa Island, I think it was. Kiwa Kiwi and Kiwa, got to get them mixed up. Of course, I had to do that on a podcast. But anyway, they all meet down there on a beach, and they all boat and raft up and carry on. So that's what that's about. Just about every angler I have talked to has a favorite boat food. You know, the, the one that tastes absolutely the best on a boat. Might not taste best anywhere else, but tastes really great on a boat. Well, I don't know. The number one thing here in Florida, this is the truth, man. I asked a bunch of people about this. The The absolute favorite thing in Florida is cold fried chicken, specifically made at Publix. Plain and it was like hands down. Like if you're going to take something with you, what are you taking? Publix fried chicken. The 
trick was is to get it the night before, you know, go to Publix, pick it up. Usually they have tons of them in there around four or five o'clock in the evening for the dinner crowd. So you can pick up a box of fried chicken uh, that there was controversy, but not I won't call it a big controversy, but but it was like chicken tenders, wings and whole chicken pieces. Like, w- what's the deal? The whole chicken pieces seemed to win when talking to folks, but chicken wings were allowed because the the theory was anything with a bone in it works really good on a boat, cold. It holds up, the consistency's good, the flavor's good. The tenders, not so much. The tenders in a cooler will tend to get mushy unless they're perfectly packed. So take that to the bank. I happen to love Publix chicken tenders too. There's, I mean, they're delicious. Breaded the same way as the fried chicken, so of course they should be. Uh, but the clear winner really was fried chicken on the bone. So um, legs and wings preferred. And one one of the guys said, man, I love wings because they're easy. You don't have this big chunk, like a chicken breast. You don't have this big chunk of food. You just got these little wings. Yes, it's okay to toss the bones in the water. I get asked that a lot. I have, I have checked on this. It's not considered littering. The bones are like any other bone that wind up on the bottom of the sea. They will they will disintegrate or other fish will eat stuff. So it's don't, don't worry about it. Same thing goes with most fruits, apples oranges, orange peels, things like that. I've never heard anybody have a real problem with that. Just don't throw anything plastic like bottles, that kind of crap. Just don't do that. Also, no baggies. Try to keep napkins, things like that out of the water. Although I know napkins will also go away. I mean, it's just, it's a paper product, so it's not going to be in there forever. But plastic's a serious problem everywhere, not just in the Keys. Um, other brands that were mentioned were KFC and Popeyes. Um, Popeyes a little better than KFC from what I, you know, one, one guy says, if I can't get Publix or I'm in another area of Florida where I'm not familiar with the Publix or where it is, I'll just stop and get a KFC box. Um, and then Popeyes, I have not had Popeyes. I've been around Popeyes and I know where they were in Fort Lauderdale, but I've never had their chicken. People say they're, it's quite good and it's great on the boat. So there's two more for you. Um, Breaded or not, that was another thing that popped up with this whole fried chicken thing. Uh, breaded one, uh, but you know, Janelle likes this, the you know the the unbreaded, just you know deep fried skin. Basically, I do too. You know, hot wings also were mentioned, but not not to the highest like levels for boating. It's like you know, okay, are you really going to eat a hot wing? And, you know, and then be, then be trying to quench your thirst. No, probably not. So you're probably better off just good old fashioned regular chicken. So I thought that was interesting, a little interesting twist. Um, Hooters also got mentioned. I made that in my notes. Although that gets back to what I was talking about. Hooters known for goopy, (laughs) hot wings, you know, with lots of saucy stuff on them. They're wet. Um, Not very good for refrigerating, in my opinion. They do, however, now make uh, breadless and and deep fried and things like that. So you could go in that route if you wanted to do Hooters. You're out out for an evening at Hooters before you're going to go fishing. You're having some Hooters and some beer, and the chicken is really good, and just get enough. You know, get another 10-piece meal and then take it home with you, stick it in the fridge, and you'll have it for the boat. So the consensus was Hooters is okay. But Publix is still the A number one. It has to be said, a break in the day for cold fried chicken and a cold beer is pretty tough to beat on a boat. Close second, uh, sub sandwiches. Guess where? <laughs> that daggone Publix. <laughs> Man, there's sub sandwich places everywhere, of course, but every time you talk to boaters, it's like, oh, I'll get mine at Publix. Yeah, I do too. Um, and they're really, really good. However, make sure if you're going to do for boating, you're going the day before 
or even early in the morning. And you're going to, you know, Publix opens at seven. So for some folks, that's early enough to go get a sub sandwich done. But I like getting them the day before. If you get a sub sandwich, get it dry. Don't get mustard mayo and all that stuff on it. Just get it dry with maybe a little salt and pepper on it. And then get the condiments to go with you in the cooler. And that way you can add it on the boat. Those things will get really mushy if you start putting all kinds of wet stuff on there before you're going to eat it. So that's just a little advice from Captain Rob since I've had a dozen or more subs, two dozen, 100, 200 subs on the boat, you know, something like that. Yeah, you don't want them wet and mushy. The best public sub, an ultimate. <laughs> You'll see it on the board, the ultimate sub, everything on it, basically. Just keep the wet stuff off. That's that's pretty much it. So there you go. That's that's kind of a, you know, I, I, boaters would ask me when I was guiding, like, what do you want for lunch? What do you want to bring? And I, I tell them, bring fried chicken if you can. If not, subs are great, but don't put the goop on them. And invariably, they would say, well, where? And you just say, go to Publix. And then once you have hooked somebody on the Publix subs, it's over. That's pretty much all they're, they're going to do. And they always, they rave about them. Publix is creeping north, by the way. For the longest time, my friends up in the Kentucky area, where I lived for a while, uh, had no Publix. Now they do. Publix is starting to move in up there on Kroger. So that ought to be interesting. And my folks from Kentucky always said, well, when we come to Florida, the first thing we do is go get a Publix sub. So, wow, that'll be interesting. I don't know what the fascination is with Vienna sausages. There, I just threw you for a loop. I, we've gone from food that I absolutely love to something I will not eat on a boat, but a lot of people do. And I don't know what the deal is. I'm thinking it's a bass fishing thing that started on the lakes up north because I don't really remember it being a big deal down here in saltwater fishing, especially growing up as a kid. I don't remember going out on the neighbor's boat with Vienna sausages, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, maybe, you know, or, or a bag of chips and a Coca-Cola <laughs> way before Gatorade. Um, but, you know, I, 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 don't, I just don't know. I personally don't like them. I just, I don't know. I just don't. But I know, I know there are guys that will have them on the boat. I know us. The bass dudes love them. But there you go. And then they make flavored ones too. I mean, they're basically like eating a little cold hot dog. I, no, it just doesn't interest me. Um, but if it is, if it's your bag, great. They also come in sauces too. Um, there's like this barbecue one they have, kind of a barbecue slash, uh, a little, little spicy, I guess. And then there's a, a kind of a, I forget what it is. It's like a, like a lemony kind of thing. No, I, I think I'll, I think I'll pass on that. The weird food we had on the boats in Florida, and this is when my brother and I were fishing. So this is not when we were kids. This was when we were grownups and we were fishing in the, oh, that would have been the early eighties, I guess. Yeah. The early eighties. Um, we would almost always have the canned fish of some kind. If you know what I'm talking about, these are like, I love, I love canned smoked baby oysters and smoke baby clams. All right, they come in a can, you know, you pop them. Back then you had to use a can opener to get the can open, a hand a hand can opener. Now they have a pop top on them. I like them. Now that's one that you can go no way. I understand it's okay. It's, you know, it's like well, what did you have when you were young? Um the smoke baby oysters or smoke baby clams were really, really good if you brought along a bottle of um, crystal sauce, the uh, Louisiana hot sauce, and sprinkled on each one on a Ritz cracker. I mean, I, to me, it was a Ritz cracker, put the oyster on top, put a little hot sauce on it, and down she goes. And I don't, I just love those things. They're good for you for energy, too, man. They're loaded, loaded with iron, in case you were wondering. If you eat a can of those, man, you feel like Superman when you're done, so... Uh, mini fish steaks. How many of you have heard of those? They're made by a company called, uh, I think it's Beach. Yeah, Beach Cliff. Beach Cliff Fish. 
um, they make these little stakes and they're made of herring is what they are. So they look like a little, like a cross section of the fish, you know, just cutting the fish from tail to head. So they're these little steaks and they come in a can and they're also in Louisiana hot sauce or in a mustard sauce, either one. That's what I was trying to think of back on the uh, Vienna. It it's kind of a mustard sauce they pack them in, um, not a lemon. Uh, but anyway, it, it's, I like them. You know, the fish, the fish steaks were, that was another main thing on a boat back in the day. I don't see them much anymore, nor did I hardly ever see them when I was guiding, but that was a pretty big deal. And some people still do it. I was in Publix the other day looking for the smoked oysters because I like them at home with cocktails. And uh, I saw the cans of the beach cliffs sitting there. So they obviously have them and they have other flavors too now that I don't think I really want to venture into. One big drawback with canned things like that, they're messy on a boat. Uh, you better bring some paper towels, napkins, whatever you gotta. You gotta help with the cleanup type stuff. So it's it's good to have a little, a little, uh, <laughs> yeah, something to wipe it up with. Put a bib on, maybe. They're they're packed in oil. They're mostly they're they're usually put in some sort of a um, a seed oil of some sort, and which is good, but uh, but very very messy. Honestly, I I think that just about anything kept simple will work um, as a boat food. Um, and here's a story for you. Here's something I wanted to relay. Um, Janelle and I went fishing with a guide from uh, the Port of the Islands. Um, that's off of US 41, uh, west out of Naples, Marco. Basically, you're taking 41 like you're going to Miami. And the first thing you'll run into in, that, in the area is a little, little stop called Port of the Islands. And it had, a, it had a marina there, a place to stay. There's really a great shooting range there. I think it might still be there. I don't know. It was on the other, other side of the road away from the water, but it was a great little range to go to, to go shotgunning and stuff like that. But anyway, um, to get to the fishing grounds from the launch in the 10,000 Islands, you had to navigate this great big long access channel, several miles. And it's slow speed because it's full of manatees pretty much year round. There's almost no, t- there's no time at that zone is shut off. You, you've got to maintain the slow speeds of the whole thing. Now on the trip out, talk was good. You know, you're learning about each other. You're talking about your day's fishing coming up. You talk about where you've been, what you've done. If it's your second or third trip with the captain, you're just ch- chatting on what happened to you since you've seen him last, that kind of stuff. But on the trip back, <laughs> time doesn't pass quite as quickly. Um, especially after the end of a really great day, you're kind of exhausted and, you know, you just, just kind of sit and relaxing. And if the fishing wasn't good, it's even longer. It's even a longer, slow trip. So anyway, how the captain we went out with was, his name was Jack Lloyd and Jack is, he's passed away not too long ago. He was a former DEA agent, retired. And I, he, by the way, he really knew his stuff. He would always put us on redfish. It was pretty amazing. But one of the tricks he used coming back in that daggone channel was a huge assortment of cheese and crackers. And I just thought, that's really, you know, you have your conversation starts back up, usually drinking a bottle of water because you're hot. And by the way, you could bring something to drink, but captains are not allowed to furnish alcohol. So he couldn't put a bottle of wine with that or beer, you know, so that's up to you. But but on the way back, he'd do this layout on the cooler seat. He'd lay out these, these hors d'oeuvres <laughs> and it was fantastic. And I just, I remembered that the other day when I was, I was writing this and, and putting notes down, I thought that was probably one of the coolest ideas ever. By the way, he passed away in 2018. I'm really sorry to see him go. He was really a, quite a character with some great stories, obviously, from what he had done with the feds over the years, the DEA, and, and very interesting. And part of that was why he knew the waters 
of the 10,000 Islands so well. If you've read any history at all about the drug running in the 10,000 Islands, many, many a law officer got lost. <laughs> so, not Jack. <laughs> and, and he really, really knew the water well, and I, and I love that. So, today my personal boat food is not so exciting. Um, I usually bring plenty, plenty of water, one bottle of Gatorade. I use that for electrolyte replenishment. Sounds official and scientific, but it really is. That's what Gatorade does. Also, I will say this. One Gatorade leads to another because I don't know what it is. It's probably the saltiness of it. It makes you thirsty and you want to have more. I'm not saying Gatorade's bad. Don't get me wrong. A lot of people drink it, obviously. And it's good. I mean, it is good to replenish the... uh, makes you feel better. If you start feeling a little down out there in the heat, especially in the hot summer days, there's really nothing much better than getting a Gatorade in you. I also pack two or three packages of peanut butter crackers. You know, the ones in the little six cracker pack. Yep, that's it. That's Captain Rob's diet program. (laughs) Mostly water. Uh, If I'm going to do a half day, I've got four bottles of water and a Gatorade. That's pretty much what my plan is. If I'm going way up in the back country, I will take enough to last overnight. I'll take eight bottles. You never know when a breakdown might happen or you get stuck in the back. You want at least have enough water to make it to the next day or until somebody comes and gets you. So, uh, But typically, four waters, a bottle of Gatorade, and two or three packages of my peanut butter crackers. And that's pretty much it. Um, you know, you can lose weight doing that because you're just basically sweating your butt off out there. And so, you know, I come in and put myself on the scale and I announced to my wife, I'd say, Hey, John, I lost two pounds today. I lost three pounds. She looks, she sneers at me. Like, it's not that easy for her. And so it's kind of fun, you know, that that's my, that's why I call it the diet program. Now let's chat about this for a minute. Food that should not be brought on a boat. Speaking from experience. Uh, a number one in the whole world of uh, fishing, especially if you have kids on board, do not bring Oreo cookies, please. <laughs> it's never going to happen on my boat. I ain't going. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the nice, kind guide anymore. I'm an owner, <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't. You can't have those. Go put those back in the in the car. Um, Oreos are a mess. Kids love them. I can't tell you how many parents showed up with Oreos. I'm not sure what the deal was. And at that, at this point, late in my career, Oreos was making different flavors too. But they still always had the outside, um, you know, the 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 dark black outside. Why are they bad? Well, they crumble on the deck, and then the kids and the adults and me we grind it into the deck, <laughs> and then it's fun to clean because the heat. Makes them, turns them into sugar tar. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. It's really a mess. So you really have to work on these things to uh, to get a, get your boat cleaned up. So avoid that. And on that note, anything chocolate, especially if it melts. M&Ms don't melt in your hand. They melt on a boat seat and the boat decks. So just be aware that M&Ms are just not cool on a boat. Oh, heck, anything that melts, it's a problem. Except for maybe popsicles. Most of the color red, blue, or orange usually winds up on the kid or the adult. It's, or the blue. I always like the blue one. <laughs> it's easy to wash off the boat later on. It's just it's melted ice with some food coloring, so it doesn't really make a big problem, but chocolate's awful. All right, let's get to Waterside and do the uh, boat picnics and that kind of fun stuff. Going to circle right back. Fried chicken. <laughs> Everybody I ask, what do you, what do you picnic with? You're going to stop on the shore. You're going to stop on a beach. You know, someplace, you, know, you got to be careful now. In Florida Bay, you are not allowed to get on certain islands. 
even if it's got a little sand on it, you can't do it. That's again, that's part of that rule thing I was talking about in the Everglades National Park. They have designated islands, though, that you are allowed to dock on, that you can spend time on the beach. So you just have to make sure you check your charts and find those. Um, on the outside, not so much of a problem. If you've got a beach, you can generally pull up to it. If the water's deep enough, that's part of the trick, too. But fried chicken won. Sides were a must. It's a little different than the boat thing. The sides were like, okay, we're going to sit down, we're going to have a picnic, we're going to have you know paper plates, and we're going to put stuff out. So you got to have like potato salad. That was that was I think that was probably the A number one was potato salad. Um, fresh cut fruit that was mentioned several times. People that I asked, Janelle mentioned it too, um, which is great on a hot day. Having a having a bowl that's got like grapes. Cantaloupe, pineapple, strawberry, stuff like that, all cut up in it, is is really really delicious and it's watery. You know, it's got liquid on it, so that makes for a really excellent uh, little bit of uh, of extra extra liquid when you're when you're hot and sweaty. Um, be careful. Some of the mixes, like Publix sells a mix. It's really delicious. It's a fruit bowl mix. You can just buy the whole thing at once. I think Winn Dixie has these too. Unfortunately, it's got bananas in it, and a lot of people, I'm not. But a lot of people are super, super, super superstitious about bananas on a boat. They consider them very, very bad luck, and you do not want to have one on the boat at any time. So don't bring bananas. <laughs> bad idea. I should have mentioned that in boat food. Try to avoid bananas. Now, if you're coming out with me and you want to bring a banana, I don't have a problem with it. But there are an awful lot of boaters out there that are extremely superstitious about bananas. Why? I don't know. You can look it up. There's lots of theories. Well, there's two main theories, but there's quite a few theories out there on why bananas are bad luck. It, most of it goes all the way back to the Spanish galleon days moving treasure, and they would have bananas for sustenance and things, you know. It, it, well, anytime you have vitamin C on a boat, you're, you're preventing scurvy. But they would have bananas on the boat. And so when the boat sank and lost all their gold, they didn't blame it on the gold they were carrying. They blamed it on the bananas. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> gold can't be bad luck. It's got to be the bananas. And there are other theories. There are other stories I've read about why they're why it's considered bad luck. I just don't I don't buy that. I have a hat, I have a hat that I wear that I'm happy with. It works. I'm not saying I'm not superstitious. Don't get me wrong. There are some things that I do each and every time to make sure I'm going to catch fish. And I think every fisherman's got that. But for some reason, bananas is a big deal with a lot of people. Now, back to the, the picnic type thing, shore lunches. Shore lunches are a tradition all across the U.S., especially as part of freshwater fishing trips up north. If you take a, a trout trip or something on, on a river or stream, a lot of times if you, if you check with the captain or if you, you might even see it in the, in the, uh, in the literature, they provide a, a, a shore trip or a shore lunch is what they call it. And the shore lunches usually consist of the fish you caught. You may They may wind up filleting a fish or two, uh, cook it on a small grill on the beach, and you're going to have a shore lunch with fresh fish. And I think that's really cool. You don't see that much here in Florida. Matter of fact, you almost never hear about it. Um, it is legal, by the way. I went and looked it up. You can catch a fish. You can go to the shore. You got to get off the boat. You clean the fish on the shore. You can't clean it on the boat. Got to clean it on shore. The rule, the rule says that the fish has to be delivered to shore whole. So when you catch a regulated fish, we'll say sea trout, you catch a sea trout, that's a regulated fish. It has to be 15 inches in length from head to toe. And that particular fish cannot be cleaned until you get on shore. So that way, if an officer were to stop you on water, uh, you could prove that it's, that it's legal. So there you go. So be careful with the rules. But as, but as far as I can tell, having a meal on the beach, a dock at your house, 
a park with grills. I couldn't find anything online that said you can't do that. So, um, But I know as a fishing guide, it was sticky because I thought about doing it. I thought that'd be a nice addition to be able to go out and catch a few trout and take them over to the beach. Because when I worked on the west coast of Florida, there are beaches everywhere that you could easily land on and have have a shore meal. Well, that's the Food and Drug Administration got involved on that part. So there was no way you could pull it off. You were regulated just like a restaurant. You had to have food services. You had to have a license. You had to have an inspection. It was like, I was like, you got to be joking. They're like, no, they're not joking. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not doing that. So, but on your own, that's another story. You can have a shore lunch or dinner provided you're on a beach that allows it. If you're camping, you can have dinners on the beach of fresh fish that you caught during the day. Remember, regulations still apply that there are bag limits. So you're allowed three trout per day for you personally. Um, you can have those on the shore and clean and eat them, but you can't put those back. You can't put one back in the cooler and go out the next day and catch three more trout. You with me? Okay. So you eat what you catch and then you go back out and you're camping for maybe two or three days. You can do it again if you want to, but you can't do it in the same day. They'll, they'll tag you for that kind of stuff. Got to be careful. Um, and, and this is mostly along the lines of camping because that's what I think of a shore meal here in Florida as. It's going to be a camping day. And the Everglades provide spots for camping, as do the beach areas up and down the coast of Florida. But in Everglades National Park, they have they have spots where you can actually camp. And there are islands, uh, not one's, one's not very far from our house back here in Florida Bay, that allows for day camping. You can set up there. It's got restrooms on board. It's pretty cool on, on the dock, actually. And it's pretty cool. So there you go. So what have we learned? Fried chicken. Publix. (laughs) Amen, brother. I made myself hungry. I may just go over to Publix and pick up a box of fried chicken just to bring home this evening. I like that stuff so much. But so anyway, hopefully you learned something. Like I said, next week I'm already planning boat drink. So we'll we'll get into the liquid part of this whole thing, hopefully on on next week's podcast. Before I sign off, thanks so much for the notes, comments, great questions via email. Answering my questions about food from some of you, I really appreciate it. Keep them coming. The email is catchyououtdoors at gmail.com. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. My podcasts are scheduled for each and every Tuesday. If you enjoyed listening, please tell a friend, leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Catch Outdoors is presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network and is available on Waypoint and many of your favorite podcast providers. Facebook pages, Catch Outdoors. Websites, catchoutdoors.com and waypointtv.com. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy. Enjoy.